Welcome back to another episode of Granny Shot, your not-so-serious all-things NBA podcast. I've got Don and Delco with me here, as always, and we've got so much to discuss today with the blockbuster James Harden train going through this past week. But before we dive into that, Don, Delco, how are you guys doing this lovely morning? I'm doing great, Ryan. It's a beautiful morning here in Charlotte. Ready to get this podcast going. James Harden and the Ultimate Bitch Squad has been formed, so I'm excited to talk about it. I'm doing good too. It's a it's a brand new league now. Yeah, we'll we'll dive into exactly what the implications are of that trade. I think it's not just the Nets that have we have a lot to talk about, but everyone that was involved in that trade, the whole landscape of the league possibly changes, right? And we'll dive into that. But first, if you haven't listened to our prior episodes, what we do here is we will do a quiz question at the beginning of the episode. I'm going to ask Don and Delco for the answers at the end of the episode. So I'm going to read it here, and you would think that. This would be James Harden themed based on the obvious news of the week, but it's not. So I've written it based off of Pascal Siakam's first triple double in his career this past uh, week on Monday against the Rockets or sorry, the Blazers. And the question is Pascal Siakam recorded his first ever triple double this past week in a tough loss to the Blazers. Who was the last Raptor not named Kyle Lowry to record a triple double? So put your thinking caps on. We'll get to the answer later in the episode. This one was a fun one for me. I had to really think through all the former Raptors players. It's the most recent, right? The most recent Raptor? Is that what you said? Who was the last Raptor not yeah. named Kyle Lowry to okay. record a triple-double? Yeah, I have a good idea of who it might be. Yeah, I've got, I've got some good hints that I'll throw out there towards the uh, end of the episode when we come back to the question, but that's only if they're needed. Hopefully they're not. Let's see if you guys know it. How, what's your confidence level, Delka? Well, the fact that you're saying you're going to throw us hints makes me think it's not some of the players I think it might be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It I could also player. just be that I have no confidence in your ability to get the answer right. Touche. <laughs> I, have like, I have like one player in my mind that I think it would be, but then I'm, I'm also hesitant because like I don't know if we would need hints. I, All I right. Well, 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 we'll find out at the end of the episode. OK, but let's move on to the obvious news of the week, the massive blockbuster trade that went through. And if anyone listened to our last episode, we talked about potential hardened trade ideas. We actually specifically didn't talk about the trade that happened because it was the one that got talked about the most. And it was the one that seemed to be the most likely to happen. That said, the trade that did happen, James Harden goes to the Nets, mega douche squad complete. Right. You've got James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant now all on the same team together. And just for a recap of the exact trade that happened, the Nets received James Harden and a second round pick. The Pacers received Karis Levert and a second round pick. The Cavs got Jared Allen and Torian Prince. And the Rockets got what seems like every pick on the history of the planet, plus Oladipo, Dante Exum, and Rudy Ann Kirks. Um, as well as some pick swaps there. They get four pick swaps with the Nets, 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. And like I said, multiple first-round picks, three first-round picks from the Nets coming up here in the next six years. So, guys, when I heard this trade, the first thing that jumped out at me was not, oh, my God, Harden got traded, because we heard for weeks that Harden was going to get traded. We heard for weeks that it was probably going to be the Sixers or the Nets. So when I see the trade, I'm not like, oh, my God, Harding got traded. I'm looking at the details of the trade. And the first thing that jumped out at me after you know really realizing and coming to terms with the fact that James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant were going to be the same team together was how the hell the Cavs get Jared Allen for what seems like absolutely nothing. 
So as we talk through this trade, I want to start with the Cavs and we'll work through the teams and we'll kind of end with the Nets in terms of implications and, and trade reactions go. So I think the Cavs got highway robbery here, but what are your guys' thoughts? I, I agree. The, the Cavs just kind of swooped in out of nowhere. We're like, hey, how's it going? We have a first round pick. It's it's shiny. It's nice. And the the deal they got for Allen is incredible. He's He was really emerging with the Nets. He took over for DeAndre Jordan. He was playing great defense. Great fit for that squad. He would be great for them right now. And that first round pick that they gave away is the Bucks 2022 pick, which is essentially a second round pick. And right. for, they got him for practically nothing. I absolutely love what they did there. I think it creates some questions around who their center is. What are they going to, are they going to keep Jared Allen and build him into the sex land dynasty they're trying to create? Or are they going to try and move him and get some more value back from him and stick with Drummond? I don't think that they will do that. I think Drummond has to be on the block, right? Yeah, he's probably probably on the trading block. I would assume so. Uh, following up, I, th- I think it's hard not to love that trade for the Cavs. Jared Allen has been having a fantastic season so far and really just started picking it up as well the past couple of games. So to see him go to that squad, I absolutely love it. They're building a fantastic future, in my opinion. With him at center, you have um, Darius Garland, who Sex went to return to Yes, I mean, obviously, yeah, Sexton. Sexton's been fantastic when he, he's been injured, Garland's been injured. They both need to come back healthy, but their guard play when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back is going to be fantastic. And then you have a, a strong center like Jared Allen, great defense, um, does what he needs to do and get and feeds the ball where it needs to be sent. So I love that trade, especially for what they gave up. If you're a fan of a team in the NBA, you wish they made that trade, right? Like that's a great, a great value. Yeah, I think everybody in the league is probably thinking, wow, why did we not swoop in and try to get Jared Allen as in some way as part of this trade? And I think the Cavs were probably shocked that they were like, yeah, we'll throw a first round pick. And they were like, "Okay." And I I just can't imagine that that they expected to be able to get Jared Allen for a first round pick. And I know Dante Exum got sent to but Dante Exum was barely getting any minutes. He's been hurt multiple times in his young career. He had a promising young career at one point, but he's never going to be this huge valuable asset anymore. So essentially, like you said, a very late first round pick, basically a second round pick to get Jared Allen, who's like a proven first round talent. It's just an absolute steal. And I think from the Cavs perspective, one last thing is Jared Allen obviously has, has a strong defensive presence and the Cavs have a top five defense this year so far. I think that's been one of the surprises in the league this year. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of how they continue to improve in that aspect or or continue to, to hold that stat of staying within the top five there. I don't think that the Cavs make the playoffs this year in terms of implications of this trade, but I think they're flirting with it more so than you know when we did our over-under series several months back we probably all stated, I'm not sure we'd have to go back and listen or, or look at the records, but I think we all probably all stated the Cavs were not sniffing the playoffs. And I think that they're going to be in the conversation. I'm not sure about that. They still have a lot to figure out with what they're going to do between Allen and Drummond. I also don't imagine that this is a top five defense and that that's going to stick. I definitely see that dropping down into the double digit ranking area, but they definitely improved and now they can see what they can get for Drummond and still have a solid piece at center. So regardless, it's a great move, but 
I'm not looking for them to be pushing into a playoff position. I they only have to be in the top 10. Yeah, I don't know. They're, I mean, their team is, when they get healthy, that team's going to be very, very decent, especially with Jared Allen coming on. And Kevin Love's not playing. I mean, <laughs> if he ever plays again, I mean, he plays an impact. Kevin like, Love's not playing? Weird. Yeah, that's odd. But when he does come back, I mean, that team, I think they could definitely fight into at least the 10th spot. Some of the other teams that were maybe expected to be in that seven to 10 range aren't playing very well, notably the wizards. So, you know, that there, there may be an opportunity for them to, to sneak into that, that playoff consideration. What they do with Drummond will obviously play a factor. Drummond's on an expiring contract, as we know. So it's a very tradable contract, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they don't decide to move that, but we'll see. So let's move on and talk about the other teams in the trade. The next team that I want to talk about is the Pacers. So we move from one East team in the Cavs to another East team in the Pacers. The Pacers end up getting Karis Levert and a second round pick in this deal. What they end up sending away is Oladipo. Oladipo goes to the Rockets. We'll move on to the Rockets right after we talk about the Pacers. But let's talk about the impact of Karis Levert on a Pacers team with the understanding that Oladipo is no longer going to be there. I love this trade for the Pacers. This is probably my favorite out of all the scenarios. I really like what the Cavs got, but Karis Levert, I think, has underperformed, obviously underperformed last season. Um, one of his first seasons in the NBA, he was really, really good. Um, injury hampered him for a little bit there, and he was finding to start his groove now as like the sixth man on that Nets team. But with him and more of a an opportunity to shine, and with TJ Warren obviously not being there for the Pacers, I just like it overall for the way the Pacers have been performing so far this season. I think they're overachieving, given the injury to TJ Warren and, and just giving – the overall question mark, especially for me about their team, but it's really established around strong defense and they have these playmakers like Sabonis and Brogdon who have been performing very well. And now Karras adds just this great punch of energy defense and scoring to that team. And he just fills into the mold. I think he, he fits that chemistry very well with what they've already established in Indiana. And that's why I like it. I think there's not, there's not that many question marks around that trade and, I think they get better. I don't think there's any scenario where they get worse. And that's uh, really that's you throwing, think, throwing you some think, shade at Depot for sure. Agreed. So uh, I mean, are you saying Levert's better than Depot? Yeah, I'm not. I have, I'm not big on Depot. I think since the injury, I, I haven't seen a real a Depot, and I I don't know. I don't. I've never been big on him. That's also to be noted. I've never been that big on Depot. I think he when he had his great seasons, he was also touching the ball a lot, high volume shooter. He's having I, I like a great it. year this year. He was averaging 20 per game. His last game as a Pacer, he had six steals. So saying that the the Pacers are adding scoring and defense defensive spark, I think is kind of disrespectful to what Depot was doing for that team, whether the fit was there or not. Yeah, I think he I think he had a couple of good games. I and the longevity of things, I like Levert much more. I mean, I mean, you're getting that's, Levert. That's that's I think a fair argument. Like the right. longevity aspect of it is why it's a good trade for the Pacers. Yeah, whether but- whether you think Oladipo is better than Levert or not, I think he definitely is. Um, Levert's got potential, right, to be really good. Oladipo, you could argue, is maybe on the downturn of his career, and someone that they may not want to invest in. Although there are rumors that they tried to invest in him, and he doesn't want to. Oladipo apparently wants to go to the Heat, right? So from that aspect, you look at it and say, wow, the Pacers got Levert out of a guy that was just going to dip out and leave at the end of the season anyways. From that aspect, the Pacers are thinking, fuck yeah, like this was a great trade for us. 
So whether you think it's Oladipo or Lavert is better, that I don't think anybody can argue if you truly believe Oladipo is going to leave at the end of the season that the Pacers got a lot of value out of somebody that was just going to dip out, like I said. Right, and that was my take that I, I was just disagreeing that Don said they got better with that trade. I definitely don't think they got better, but they had a guy who was going to, going to likely not re-sign with them and potentially leave for nothing. They replaced him with a younger version of him that's not as good right now but might develop into something and they have him locked in over three years and they probably feel pretty good about that so it seems like a win for the Pacers even though they're in a winning spot right now and they got a little bit worse I just look at all the I look at a lot of the players on the Pacers team and I I think Karras fits that mold much more than Oladipo does I think Oladipo changed as a trait as a player not only physically but mentally as well since the injury and that's to no fault of his own but if right, if this was Oladipo pre-injury, I might be thinking differently. But the Karis Levert, especially over the next two to three years compared to Oladipo, and just the, again, like the ball movement, the chemistry, the overall leadership on that team, I've never been, I, I think Oladipo is, is more of a speed bump. I'm going to be completely honest on that team than he is. It's not like Karis is known for his ball movement. He's also a bit of a chucker. I've been a big Karis fan when he was on Brooklyn, but now I'm kind of looking at him like, what is he like 27 at some point he's not that cool young emerging talent he's just who he is at 27 no okay well first of all he's a you think of him as a chucker but the only reason you're thinking of that is because the nets last year had no one on that team and he had to put up 20 25 shots hit when he had his breakout season he was a pure three and d shooter and he was fantastic right like he was feet he was getting the ball from other sources he's not he's not always known as this volume shooter he's had to do that for that team because they had no one else and the role that he plays with them and the Pacers team where they have a lot of other scorers and like a lot of other great players, he's not going to be asked to score. In, in my opinion, like he's going to score, but he's not going to be asked to that's, that's for Sabonis. That's for Brogdon, other players that will step up when TJ Warren comes back. He's off, obviously a big scorer for that team. I wouldn't, I would never label Karis LeVert as a volume shooter. He's had to, he's had to be one. But that's not who he is as a player. And I, I, I don't want to seem like I don't like him, but I just feel like I have to counter some points. He was out there with, you know, KD, and I watched possessions where he walked the ball up the court and was taking a three without passing it. So, you know, maybe he'll change a little bit in Indiana, but it's not like he was only shooting a lot of shots when it was just him. He was doing the same thing when he had Hall of Famers on the court with him. Sample size. That's all I'll say. We're talking about this season only, right? Like Katie's only played for them this season. We're talking about this season. I'm talking about when he had his breakout season and uh, the seasons that followed. But I like it. I like it for the Pacers. You know, I, I do. You can disagree. No, I, I, I like it for the Pacers. <laughs> they, they I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as big on this for this year perspective from the Pacers. Like I think like I already made my point on the long term play and how it obviously made sense. And it obviously is a good trade for them from a long term perspective. Just for getting value. I'm not completely sold that Oladipo is going to walk into the Pacers and start. Or sorry, that Levert's going to walk into the Pacers and start. I think that he could come off the bench still. They've got depth in that position right now. They've got Jeremy Lamb coming back soon. Jeremy Lamb has been an impact player for several years now. So I'm not 100% sold that he's going to come in and start. I also, I do think he's a ball-dominant player. And with Brogdon in the backcourt and him next to Brogdon in the backcourt, I'm not 
100% sure how that looks. And I think it'll take time for them to figure that out if he does end up sliding into that starting role or if he is in lineups at the end of the game, closing the game out. So that piece I'll be interested to see. I think, Don, you're much higher on Levert than I am, I guess, is my my driving point here. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's just a difference of opinion on that one. I mean, I agree. I don't think – I think Levert may be better as the sixth man. Like, somewhere how Lou Williams has always performed way better coming off the bench. There's some players that are just better off the bench. And Levert may be that. And I, I completely forgot about Jeremy Lamb. I feel like it's been two years since he last played. Um, but he is, he is a fantastic addition to that team. And – I don't want to talk too much about the Pacers, but when we start looking about the Pacers and their team and the depth that they have, they have a lot of good players. Like they could actually, no wonder, I mean, their record is what it is right now. It's, it's really high performing in the East, but they could actually make a push into the Eastern playoffs. If they, if they draw their cards, right. In my opinion, depending on what, what else happens. The Pacers are the perfect example of a team full of good players, but no great players. Uh, Sabonis, you don't think you don't think Sabonis is great? Sabonis is very good, but not great. Yeah. He's very good at what he does. Fair. They've got just several of those guys, right? Not probably none of them are going to be all stars. Maybe maybe one of them sneaks into the all star game, but none of them are you know bona fide all stars, right? So Pacers at playoffs where they stand, anything change? I think before the season, we probably had them in the four to six, seven range. Does this do anything for that? Doesn't for me. I think they're still in the same, same scenario. They're a little bit worse, but still a very good team. They're a little bit better, but still the same team. Okay. All right. We'll have to find out. We'll have to wait and see and see who's right there. So let's uh, move on. We're going to move on to the Rockets, the team that Oladipo is supposed to get sent to as of the recording of this episode uh, Lavert is actually technically on the Rockets Oladipo is technically still on the Pacers I think when this trade dropped most people probably didn't realize that the trade that involved Oladipo from the Pacers the Pacers were actually not involved in that Rockets next Nets Cavs trade it was a subsequent trade for Oladipo to get moved to the Rockets in exchange for Lavert that trade still hasn't gone through from what I've read, what I've heard, it's definitely going to go through, but it's still just a little bit interesting that it hasn't yet. And one of the reasons that that could be happening is Oladipo might not be on the Rockets for that long. Maybe they were considering adding him to this season to make a run with what they could do this year, but I think they probably took on Oladipo for some cash relief because his contract ends at the end of the season. So the Rockets end up getting all those picks that we talked about, three first-round picks, four pick swaps plus Oladipo plus Carrick's and Exum. How do you rate the haul that the Rockets got here? I'm actually going to give it an A plus. I love what they did. The day of the trade, we were saying how the Rockets didn't have any leverage because Harden had come out and basically said he wasn't going to play for them anymore and he was done and he wanted to be moved. And so we were thinking, okay, so now teams can just lowball and get Harden they don't really have much leverage. He's not going to play with them. What ground do they have to stand on? And then a couple hours later, they get the rest of the Brooklyn Nets picks till the end of time. Arguably get better this year. I mean, obviously Harden's a better player. I'd want to argue that, but he was clearly a cancer in that locker room. You saw Boogie's comments. You saw the general vibe of that team. And the team has talent on it right now. They can beat any team, really, when they're healthy. John Wall, Boogie, Oladipo now, Christian Wood having a breakout season. 
they got to keep PJ Tucker, which I think is interesting. Uh, House Junior, that's that's a decent squad, and they're all hungry and they all want to fight. And now they don't have this, you know, giant pariah in the room of James Harden, where everything's about him all the time, and they can work together and try to win some games. So I think they got better this year, and their future is so bright. They can throw so many darts and likely hit someone who actually wants to be there. So kind of shocked that it worked out so well for the Rockets. I'll, I'll give them an A plus for getting as much as they can out of Harden. I think one of the things that really helped them was the Sixers were simultaneously making bids as well. So just knowing that there was a bidding war going on helped the Rockets leverage, even though it was crystal clear that Harden was demanding out. Agreed, but wow. Four picks, four pick swaps, plus you get Oladipo, assuming he stays. If if not, maybe they'll get something yeah. from the Heat. That's incredible. No, I agree. And and to your point on them possibly being better this year just because of uh, maybe an uptick in how their, their culture operates this season, if Oladipo buys in applying for the Rockets this season, which I sort of have hesitation as to whether I believe he will there or not, but if he does... I agree with you. I think the Rockets did get better for this season alone just because of those chemistry issues and those locker room issues. Right. And if it doesn't work out, interesting team. if it doesn't work out, Depot's off the books anyways, and they have a million picks. And Right. But one thing I want to want to say is this Rockets team, I used to very much dislike the Rockets. I don't like the way that James Harden plays the game. He's a phenomenal talent. He's, in, he's incredible at... Uh, dribble penetration and just iso ball but that's just not the kind of basketball that i like to watch right and the drawing of the fouls is boring i've never been a rockets fan always cheered against them now they've got a team full of comeback kids people that were injured people that haven't played in a while people that have been doubted right i think when john wall came back this season everyone was like ah he's done Uh, he's not going to be good Booty Cousins, people think he's done. He's got all of these guys now have something to prove. Christian Wood is a guy that's played with a chip on his shoulder with something to prove his entire career. So these this team now becomes the, like I said, like the comeback kids trying to prove something. Super like really Yeah. I think it'd be really fun to see them own that that narrative as we've got a chip on our shoulder and we've got something to prove and we're gonna show the world that we can all still play. And I think that would be really fun if if they did that and and were successful. I, I thought it was a hot take when I first said it that they'll get better, but then looking at their current record, the bar is pretty low. They only have to win more than thirty percent of their games, and I think that's pretty easy task for them. But I'll stick with the over that I originally had in the over under, and I see this team turning it around and being really really fun to watch. And like you said, Ryan, very likable now. So everyone doubted John Wall, but. Your boy over here. And I got a lot of shit for it, but I said he was going to be back. Don't even. We can we can go back on the recordings. Yeah, let's let's re-listen to that because when the Wizards when the Wizards Houston trade went through, I got railed for saying it was an even trade. No, but way before that, I said I was watching those. Like 1996, Ryan. Before you even born, I was talking about Wall. Oh, my God. Somebody go back and listen and let us know what Don said, because I think he's losing his memory. No, no, no. But I I do like the trade. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if Oladipo will stay, but talk about comeback kids. He's another guy who who needs to turn, make a point about his career and see if they can turn it around. They got so many first round draft picks. 
they can easily reset that team and build it around even honestly someone like Christian Wood who is performing like a top 30 player. I, what a contract that's looking to be. I know yeah, exactly. a lot of people were saying this offseason, what is Christian Wood's value? What is he going to demand? Because he really <laughs> only performed for what seems like 30 games last year. And so there was a small sample size of teams looking at him and being like, what is he actually worth? So I think the value range of what people thought that might be was probably pretty large. And now he's getting $41 million over three years and he's looking like, like he has, it's just an absolute steal. It looks like right now. Yeah. And that goes back to the Rockets organization. Cause even we could see the sample size that he had last season, but that was with Drummond down, right? Like there was, or that's when Drummond was traded and we were just trying to figure out who the Pistons even were. And he was getting a ton of them. He was getting a ton of minutes and he was the only person on that team who it looked like could could score. So it was definitely muddled to see who he would be on a high-performing team with other good players around him. And he's proven himself to be a really, really nice player. So for the Rockets, you have to be you have to be loving that trade, get the toxic player that Harden is out of there. Definitely gonna be a lot more fun to watch. I don't think they get better. I'm just gonna say that right now. I don't think they get better. Um, right, especially like top line value. Harden, even though he is a bitch, he pulls in a lot of great great numbers for that team, and he really is a great player, right? They don't really have any great players. We just talked about that for the Pacers. They have a lot of really good players. They don't have a great player. So, what does a great player do for you, though, if he doesn't want to play and he's toxic and he's trying to get out? You know? Well, he wins you playoff, he wins you playoff games, right? Harden is one. Were they going to make the playoffs, though? No, they, they, were, they had won 30% of their games up to that point, and – Right, but the way I look at the way I look at it is just top line value and saying who's the best five on the court. Best five with Harden is better than best five. I'm taking I'm taking away the emotions yes. of the game and saying you know top five okay. is better than Harden. Yeah, but 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 the emotions is like literally our point though. So I agree with you. James Harden is better than Oladipo, and James Harden is one of the best players in the league. But the fit this season on the Rockets looked not good at all because he didn't want to be there and they so, got and they got max value for it and something to, to think about with all these great contracts with Oladipo expiring and with 7,000 first round picks under their belt now they can go out and get another superstar potentially in a trade they, they can probably make the cap space work they have the assets to purchase one you could be looking at a very quick Rockets rebuild turnaround just like they've done in the past yeah, well, I'm interested to see what they end up doing with Oladipo. And if I, I hadn't heard the Heat rumors until, Ryan, you mentioned it. It's actually kind of intriguing, but I don't know what that would Oladipo is gone. I will be absolutely shocked if Oladipo is on the Rockets more than this season. And I also would not be shocked if Oladipo finds his way on the Heat roster before the season's even over. I also I wouldn't be shocked if Depot doesn't play a single game for the Rockets potentially, but... Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. I'm, I'm, I won't be shocked either way, but I could definitely see him being moved. I mean, there are reports that he's unhappy, but that team, I mean, right, that team doesn't get better. If we're if we're now assuming, if you're both saying, I bet he doesn't play a game for that team, they're obviously not better. I think he might end up playing this season, but look, the Rockets, I don't think that could potentially be better this season if Oladipo plays. And long-term, I think they got a great haul for it. The Nets gave up pretty much all their picks over the next six years. And the Rockets, I think, like you said, are walking away from this pretty happy. 
So let's move on to the Nets, the key part of this trade. And I talked about the picks and all the picks that the Nets gave up. The Nets, I think they've had one pick in the last, I don't know how many years it was, last 12 years, one first round pick in the last 12 years, including the ones that are coming up that they just sent away. So again, they're sending away their 2022, 2024, and 2026. From a assets perspective and how much they gave away, to bring James Harden in. It's eerily similar to all the assets that they gave away seven years ago, eight years ago, when they brought in Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry, and Paul Pierce. So what do you guys think? How do you grade the Nets trade here to get James Harden? It's obvious that it's an all-in move, but all-in moves are risky. Is it worth it? And what does success mean for this trade? Right? What do they what do they have to accomplish? For them to look back and say this was worth it. The only success that you can have that's measurable is a championship. Kevin Durant's getting older. Kyrie keeps going to clubs. Like like Kyrie could retire tomorrow and I, no one would be shocked. Like you have so many question marks and the health. Like the, KD looks great, but he is coming off a dramatic injury. He is getting older. These timetables are running short. You have to get a championship if you're making this trade. And that's the only, I don't like there's, with what they gave up, they need a championship. And I graded her at probably a B. You know, because I don't they gave up a lot for James Harden, but I get it. I mean, they're not winning a championship without him, in my opinion. From what I've seen of the Nets, I don't think they're winning a championship without him. And if that's what you're going for, and which every NBA team should go for at some point, then you have to make your move. And and they did. And I, you know, I, I can't fault them for that because they have the best NBA team. They have the best rostered NBA team right now. I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, you have to do it. So, is it, is it? Are you saying one championship over how many years? What does that look like? Uh, no, or, no, I'm saying immediate championship this year, and then. So if they don't win this year, fail failure. Yes, yes. What if they win three in a row after that? I don't think they will. <laughs> just, That's the thing. Just saying. Yeah, they'll uh, have some contract situations to deal with uh, in two years. So. That'll that'll make it tougher, but so what I just want to finish up with is, is that why, right? There's there's more of a short term time frame on it because of the contract situation that will come up, in my opinion. So this season is up for grabs with every NBA team. You just have to take advantage and win win this year. There's no reason to not win this year, right? It's a it's a confusing season, but they have all the talent in the world. Before I grade this trade, my first thought when this trade happened was. I'm really happy I don't own NBA 2K this year. I would bet $100 that if one of us got 2K and booted it up and started an online game, you're going to get matched up with the Nets. It's just going to be one of those teams where every nephew in the world is going to be using the Nets and it's not going to be fun. Zero fun. Imagine being like the Thunder and getting matched up against the Nets in 2K. It's just like, why Why am I even playing? Or anyone. Even the Lakers, it's it's just not going to be fun to play. But it would be fun to use them, I'm sure. I just have honor. My second thought was, this is easily the most hateable, douchiest team of all time. Like, wildly outperforming the that Heat team with LeBron and D-Wade. This team is... Can you come up with a team in history, even a made-up team, not including these three guys, where you can pull in anyone? that is more hateable than this net squad with Kyrie, the Sage, Harden, 
with everything he's been doing and KD, who's the likable guy of this of this group now. It's pretty hard for me to come up with anything. Kyrie and KD, the Nets were my least favorite team in the league before the straight happened. Same. So them adding Harden just was the cherry on top. There is not a team in the league that comes even remotely close to how much I'm cheering against the Nets. And it's just ironic considering I uh, I live a stone's throw away from the Barclays Center. Right. And I think we've we've discussed that before. So th- those are the, the, the first two points. In terms of the trade value, I don't love it. Obviously, you want James Harden on your squad. And obviously, you have three top 10 players. And it it's great for 2K. It, it, there's going to be some really exciting games. And when they're on, it doesn't matter if they play defense or not. They're going to be able to outscore everybody. My question is, with Kyrie and KD, aren't you already kind of contending for the finals? And so now you add another top 10 player who's very, very ball dominant, arguably the most ball dominant player in the NBA. Next to Kyrie, you maybe slightly increase your championship chances while completely mortgaging your entire future. It might seem on paper like a good deal, but all of these guys are older than 30. And you're looking at some of these first round picks extending into 2025, 2026, 2027, even if it's just a pick swap, you're going to have like 37 year old KD. These teams could potentially be terrible. All these players could be hurt. They could be gone. They could be retired. And I'm with Don instant championships right now, or this trade was a complete failure. So if they don't get a championship with that core, then it's an absolute failure. I, it, my, my first reaction was if they have a couple runs of, of finals losses or Western Conference appearances, it could be worth it. But I just don't think it will be. Their their future is is pretty much gone. They've put all of their eggs in the basket of these three. And I'm not super confident in either of them to stay, to, to be who they need to be. Harden, I think, will be great. Kyrie could legitimately retire. KD could legitimately get hurt. You just need a lot to go right. And you're already in a position to compete for the finals. And it just seems like you're giving up way too much. And that's not even including some of the other factors, like all of your depth this year is gone. Who's going to play center? DeAndre Jordan was just benched and he looks terrible out there. I know you can say that his role is just going to be stand in front of the basket, but with other NBA players around DeAndre, they're going to be able to expose that on defense and they're going to have to hope that all these guys are hitting and you just kind of wonder where the ball is going to go. Who, who's going to be taking most of the shots? What is there? Yeah, Harden and Kyrie in particular are going to have to come up with some sort of system and understanding in terms of who's going to be the more dominant player, how their sets are going to look. You're talking about the two most ISO heavy players in the league for the most part. So there's going to have to be some give and take there. I don't think anybody knows how that's going to work right now. The Nets strategy to this point was let's just go get the most talented players that we possibly can and figure it out from there. We've got a new coach. We've got Steve Nash. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Hopefully he can get them to buy in and hopefully we can get them to work. I do think obviously that the Nets get better here, but not as much as you would think when you add James Harden, who's been arguably the best regular season player in the NBA over the last two to three years. Because when you add a third superstar to a team that already has two, 
there's just diminishing returns there, right? It's just the way that it is. There's only so much time in a game. There's only one basketball. At some point, some guy is going to have to take a step back from what they're used to doing and what role they usually play. So I do think they get better. I'm not 100% sure that it instantly puts them at first in the East, but I do agree with you that they need to win. But I will say in order for this to be a success, I'm not going to put the the time frame on that to one year. I'll give them two, maybe three years, depending on contract situations. If they win one out of the next three years, I'll, I'll say this is successful. And then one other final point that I want to make on this trade as well is, yes, they gave up all of these picks and it seems like they've doomed their future. They did the same thing for that trade a couple years back that I mentioned, the one involving KG and, and the truth, Paul Pierce. And now they're here, right? They were able to work that out and figure that out. If you were to tell people that James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving are going to be on the nets after the whole debacle of trading for KG, Paul Pierce, and they give all the assets back then, if you were to tell them that this was going to happen eight years later, I think everybody would tell you you were fucking crazy. That's not fair, though, because it's not like they did some GM wizardry that involved those assets that somehow was like a chain reaction of trades to this. KD and Kyrie just purely went there in free agency. They kind of teamed up on like cell phone texts and decided to go to Brooklyn because that would be cool. So I don't really think it's fair to say like that that chain reaction led to this moment or anything like that. It's just like it just happened because they had the cap space and they didn't want to go to the Knicks and they wanted to team up. So I I don't think that's fair. Like you got to give the organization some credit for luring in the superstars that they did for being in Brooklyn and not having James Dolan as an owner. No, I don't think that that's as much of a draw as, as you would maybe make make it seem but I, I think the nets deserve some credit here i don't think that they're just thinking you know hey we can give up all we possibly want superstars are just gonna flock to brooklyn i don't want to give them credit though because they didn't really do any th- any wizardry that was really impressive to make it happen it just kind of fell into their lap i i do i have a follow-up question with this trade though do they seriously look into moving Kyrie to either get some depth back or maybe refill some of their draft pick coffers a little bit, maybe moving him somewhere like the Clippers and getting some depth back with Patrick Beverly or, you know, somewhere that could use Kyrie's offensive talent and where he fits a little bit better because I am kind of struggling to see the Kyrie Harden fit. Obviously you can't have too much talent and it's nice to have two guys who can handle the ball and kick out and make big shots. But it seems like that value could be better utilized uh, elsewhere and they could get some decent return for that. So do you think they seriously look into moving Hi- Kyrie or is this the team they're rolling with? I think this is the team they're rolling with. I, I think, think so only, too. The only reason they do it, but I will say one of the points I wanted to make about why I do like the trade is because it is an insurance against injury to one of those players. If one of those three goes down, they still have a championship competing team. It'll be interesting to see. I also wanted to say, that the point Ryan just made about when you add a third superstar, there's less ball to go around. We've heard that the exact same thing when Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors. That was the exact same argument. But that they'd already won a championship. Yeah, that and KD is so, KD's so different because he's not as ball dominant. He 
he can go anywhere. We've talked about this. I agree. I agree. I agree. They're different players. I'm just saying I've heard that exact same argument on repeat for, for months about, I don't think anyone was saying, Oh, the warriors are maybe not going to win now that the champion, the best team of all time added Kevin Durant. I don't remember that, that being discussed. I know, I know there There was was definitely discussions about how he fit because of the ball movement, how many superstars they had, right? They had two, two superstars. They added one. Yeah, and those are fair questions. The, like, how is he going to fit into this team that has incredible chemistry? Right? That, that was think, a fair question. I don't think anyone was saying they're going to get worse. And I'm not saying that the Nets got worse by adding James Harden, but there's fair questions to ask how it's going to work. And if you're going to get the value out of James Harden that you would get out of him if he was just on another team, right? When KD joined the Warriors, that team, you could argue, wasn't even as good as they were the year prior. The team was incredible and they were harder, harder to stop but I'm pretty sure their record was much worse than it was the year prior. You don't get the same value out of all of the superstars when they're all on the same floor together. And Harden is so different from KD because he is so ball dominant for the past six or seven years. The entire offense has been Harden goes to the top of the key dribbles, either pulls up for a three or sprints to the basket to get a layup or a foul or a kick out. That's been the whole offense and it, it's, it sucks and it, but it works. He does it better than anyone else in the league can. How is he going to play if the Nets aren't playing that style of basketball? Because Kyrie doesn't really fit well in that style of basketball. So we'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's intriguing, right? Like, will will one of them end up changing their style the way they play with yeah. games? Hard? I agree yeah. that that's what I'm intrigued about. Like, I think some somebody's going to have to take a step back, and it's intriguing to see who that somebody's going to be because they can't all play the same way that they've always played when they've been the number one guy on the team because they're all on the same team now. So any more final thoughts on the Nets aspect of this? Do you, well, let me ask this question, actually. Do you think they go to the finals? So I'm going, I'm going to stick with the regular season under, I do think they end up figuring out something and making a finals run. But I want to say that despite how much I've been shitting on the Nets, I was saying similar things about the Lakers and how top heavy they were and how their bench was kind of nobodies. And I think that they kind of proved that as long as your team is top heavy, that stars win championships. But I do think that that, you know, Rondo and Kuzma and some of those other guys are much stronger than what the Nets are working with. And LeBron James is a much better leader than any of these other guys. And AD is a great compliment complimentary star whereas Harden and Kyrie are it's a bunch of number one guys so I don't know it, I'm very intrigued it's going to be very interesting to watch regardless of how much I want them to lose every game so you're saying yes they, they find a way to make it to the finals Don yeah they do they definitely do for the same reasons that, that Doko just mentioned I was one of the people who hated on the Lakers last season and their bench and I talked how they wouldn't be able to make it and it really just proves, right, that top-line talent, they get paid that much for a reason, and they they always perform in the playoffs. Kyrie does perform in difficult moments, right? He won the Cavs, in my opinion, that championship that year when he hit that three. Um, we've seen Kevin Durant that's do absurd. it. That's absurd. I'm sorry. I, I can't allow that's that not, to be not, said. Not, Kyrie Irving right. did not win the championship was, for the Cavs. The most, the most important shot of that entire series was that shot, and he made it. So Yeah, but everything before that, you can't just discredit everything for an entire quarter so that Kyrie could take that shot. Still, he performs when the, when the spotlight's on him, 
uh, Harden's the biggest question mark for me is just like how I've seen Kyrie perform in pressure situations. I've seen Durant do it for better or worse, but how does Harden really respond to those championship moments? But yes, they do make the championship and yes, they win it this year. I don't know if they win it, but I don't think they'll beat the Lakers. Uh, yeah. uh, so I'm going to say that they do make the play at the finals, although I'm very, very hesitant to say that. And uh, just just in the interest of time here, guys, I think we should move on. But let's kind of segue this into our granny, granny fantasy segment. So we'll be able to kind of still talk about the Nets here if we want to. From a fantasy NBA perspective, for anyone that plays fantasy basketball, what does this trade do for some of the key players in fantasy basketball? <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Every single player, in my opinion, that was involved in this trade is going to see a decrease in fantasy value. I'm not sure that there's any winners here. Harden goes somewhere where his insane usage is maybe no longer feasible. Kyrie has to play next to Harden. So you have two incredibly high usage guys who both have first round per game potential playing next to each other. In my opinion, Harden becomes a normal first rounder where he was kind of a god tier almost like a first round player and a second round player combined. I think he goes back into that normal first round tier and Kyrie drops into second, third round per game averages. KD will be, will be KD. I don't, I I don't foresee much changing with KD. Depot scares me with how unhappy he is with the situation. There's a chance he holds out. If he sticks with the Rockets and plays a full season, maybe his value goes up. Karras stays about the same. Jared Allen is a hold. He's a wait and see. But if they keep Drummond, his value clearly goes down. If they move Drummond, then he's a big piece on this team and his value could go up. But right off the bat, I see everyone involved decreasing a little bit. And I see DeAndre Jordan getting his minutes back. So maybe he can be an interesting pickup to see how that pans out. But I also do see the Nets signing another center to take away those minutes again. So, Don, what do you think? Pretty much the same. Um, it's hard to kind of disagree from a fantasy perspective. I think Jared Allen is the biggest wait and see. Like I said, they do have a Kevin Love that never comes back. Um, if they do decide to move on Drummond, I think Jared Allen moves really far up the board, especially with how many shots their team takes. He could be an offensive board god. Um, and it, especially that small lineup that they love to run with Sexton Garland. Uh, when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back, right, they're going to need a rebounder. So I, I really do love him there, but it is a wait and see, right? It's a holding pattern for him. And it's funny. I think the only person like that increases value out of all of this is like DeAndre Jordan, like you said, um, because he's been underperforming and he's been a bum. But I, yeah, everyone else loses minutes, right? They lose, they lose the ball, they lose a little bit of minutes. Um, so I don't, I don't see any winners. Besides, if you have yeah. DeAndre, I don't, I don't feel great about DeAndre either because he looks yeah. bad on the court, and they're going to be looking for ways to get him off the court. It's just right now they literally don't have another center. So, yeah, and one other thing to consider as we talk about KD, Kyrie, and Harden, I think it's obvious that from a usage perspective, all of their numbers are going to go down. But I also think they're going to be a lot more liberal in how they sit them now, right? When you can sit one guy and still have two of them on the floor. I think it's going to be a lot more likely that they do that more often than not on back to backs. So that's something to keep in mind as well. In terms of the upcoming week, I don't have any advice other than if you could predict the future, 
and determine which games are going to get canceled, don't pick those guys up because right now that's pretty much all that matters in fantasy basketball these days. I want to see some analysis on on who's most likely to to get it. I'll, I'll, it. It only matters if there's one guy on your team that gets it because then pretty much everyone seems to be getting it. There's got to be some data in there. Yeah. Some, someone's running an algorithm to determine which teams are most likely to have canceled games this week. And whoever that guy is, hit us up. I want to know. Yeah. All right, let's segment into our quiz question of the week, circling back. So, guys, I read the question to you earlier. I'm going to read it again. It is not James Harden themed. We're circling back to the Raptors here. But Pascal Siakam, one of my favorite players, recorded his first ever triple-double this past week in a tough loss to the Blazers. Who was the last Raptor not named Kyle Lowry to record a triple-double? I don't know who wants to go first. Whoever maybe doesn't think they know the answer should go first. I have two guys. Let's hear them. Both of them? Yeah. I have two as well. So I'm I, I won't I won't tell you if it's right until I hear from both of you. Yeah. And I have I have a a, a third also. Uh De, De, DeMar DeRozan is my first guess. Okay, I'm only giving you two. You only get two. And then I feel like this is going way too far back, but Vince Carter. Okay. Don? I'm going with DeMar DeRozan and Marcus All. Okay. Those are both wrong. I'm going to give you a hint. And the hint is this person had the highest ever free throw percentage in a season. Knocking down 98% of his free throws, 151 for 154. And it was in 2009. Jose Calderon. There it is. Let's go. The, the Spaniard, Jose Calderon, the last rocket not named Kyle Bowery prior to this week. To have a triple-double with 18 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds in 2012 versus the Rockets. That highest free throw percentage in a season is one of my favorite stats. I love that. That's one to 98%. one. percent One to one, Don. I can't believe that... Uh, well, you don't... Uh, do you get that? Yeah, I guess you get that. That's I, your I sweet ass. Granny quiz question of the week is tied one to one. DeRozan didn't get a triple-double. I smell blood. DeRozan... Can never get his assist numbers up. That's more of a recent thing for his assist numbers coming up more recent in his career. All right. So any other final thoughts on any of the topics that we talked about today, guys? No, I'm ready for I'm ready for basketball to find some sort of routine besides all these canceled games. Nonetheless, it's awesome to even be able to talk about it. So pretty fortunate to have that. But I'm also intrigued to see the bitch squad formed, and <laughs> they're the new, right, the new enemy of the league. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Much- to, I'm excited to root against them. I, I wanted to add one more point. The main reason I think they'll go to the finals is because the East just hasn't impressed me. No one at the top of the East has impressed me, and now that you have this amazingly talented Thanos bitch squad, they're going to be tough to beat in the playoffs in seven games. Yeah, the East is still shaking, shaking out, working itself out. I'll- a lot of new players on new teams like the Bucks, So we'll see what happens there, but I, I don't disagree with that. Um, and then my only thing is as much as I've said, I dislike this Nets team. I can't wait to watch. Like it's going to be so fun to watch and I hope I watch them fail. And that might sound mean, but whatever. I don't like them. I'm cheering for a team that, you know, is like the Bucks or the Celtics team that kind of built it from, from the insides up. Bad vibes, man. You need to save your apartment. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Kyrie a call he probably has some extra sage for me alright that's going to wrap it up for us today if you guys have any feedback or questions for us hit us up on twitter at GrannyNBA 
send us an email, grannyshotmba at gmail.com. And please, 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 if you can, follow us on Spotify or wherever you consume your pods. Thanks again for listening to us. This is Granny Shot. We'll talk to you next time. There you There's the cool dad. Consume your pods. Oh. Hell That's yeah. The dad yeah. Consume, consume your pod. <laughs> That's the dad that doesn't pull out. That's the level. <laughs> uh, all right. That was a little rougher today, but we got it out. Yeah, Nikki, you're out, man. I think I think it'll cut. <laughs> I think it'll cut decently well though. Yeah, it will it will cut. Giving me giving me some work to do. I I've no ever since doing these, I've noticed a lot more when I listen to podcasts like clear edits or like transitions or like when they ask a new question, you can tell there's probably like a minute of additional dialogue before, you know what I mean? They might. That's why Joe, that's why Joe Rogan's so impressive, man. Cause it's all live. We, we've had episodes before where the editing was minimal, for sure. Usually most of the editing is is before at the beginning and mostly the beginning, a little bit at the end. No, the, the editing at the beginning is so easy, though, because you just cut out the cut out 10 minutes. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's editing this one? I think, I think this one's fine, right? This, this one's gonna, gonna be, be like, this one's gonna be like forty five minutes probably too. Ryan, did you edit last? Can week? you stop recording, Don? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I did last week. Uh.